we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center. And this week, we have in studio a guest that many of you may not be familiar with, but should be and will be. James Massa is the new president of Numbers USA. This is a group founded by Roy Beck, who was retired. And I thought it would be good for people to hear from James about where he's coming from, who he is, and uh, what he plans to do. So, James, thanks for coming into the studio. Great, Mark. It's great to be here. And if you could start just telling people, you know, who are you, basically? Because <laughs> you're not, you weren't a known quantity before six months ago or so in the immigration movement. So uh, what's your background? Well, I appreciate that. And I, I do come from outside the movement and all that's been going on here. I should make a comment about Roy Beck before we go on, though, because he would be so upset if we said he retired. He has taken a step back. He's still on our board. He's still involved. In fact, most recently, he spoke at the Earth Expo down in Dallas and had a nice presentation on some of the sprawl study work that Numbers USA has done in regards to environmental impact from immigration and other types of population growth. So he, he's still active and around, although he's no longer our, our CEO. So. Right. Good to hear. <laughs> so how did you, uh, so anyway, what's your story? Yeah, yeah. Well, my story is, is that I was an executive out of the high-tech industry. You would recognize the company Cisco Systems because it's now a big uh, nogarot out there that's huge and everyone knows who Cisco is. But back in the day when people couldn't spell WWW is when I got in. And I was, uh, a, I was a computer guy. I was a, a high-tech person. I actually taught classes at Kennedy Space Center on this idea of TCP IP technology. And later in my career at Cisco Systems, I got the chance to have the uh, first space shuttle to White House IP phone, wow. which was on a Cisco network. So it was kind of an interesting continuity from where I began to where I ended my, my high-tech career. Did you listen in on the call? Uh, no, I didn't listen in on the call per se. It was actually broadcast. It was a, okay. it was a fun, fun event that was a, one of those PR types of sure, things. Sure. But it was a, you know, IT, uh, ET phone home type arrangement. So it was, it was really great. Cool. But I came out of the high-tech industry. I, I come from a family of immigration. My grandparents, all four of them, came through during the Great Wave through Ellis Island. It's an Italian background. And you know they are the story, and my family is the story of how we want immigration to go for those who come into our country. They got here. They worked. They learned the language. They had children. Education occurred. And you know I'm the sixth of seven children. And I would say I'm, in some ways, at least successful. I mean, there's a PhD who did research at Kodak forever, and there's a woman who's my sister who was one of the first John Philip Sousa Award winners as a female. And so there's just a whole range of things that have occurred from this family of immigrants who have had the opportunity to enjoy what America offers, which is opportunity. I'm sort of a geek about this kind of stuff, but where in Italy were your grandparents Well, from? you know, my grandmother was around Rome. My uh, grandfather's family was up in northern Italy in the Piedmont. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of a mix across the country. 
But they came over, and, and honestly, they were, they were miners. They mined during the day, and they farmed at night wow. in downstate Illinois because that's how they made ends meet. One, one of the interesting things on the grandfather was he actually was involved with uh, John Lewis and organization of the mine workers back then. Wow. And back then, the, the groupings were really along ethnic boundaries. So you had you know, German and Irish and Italian mine workers, and they all formed different unions, and they were— all you know, geared towards trying to protect their people during the workplace, and then also protect their jobs. So. Interesting. So after Cisco, what did what did you end up doing? Well, I I spent some time with uh, faith based nonprofits. So there were several that were going through founder transitions, thirty year old ministries that were in place, global in sixty countries, and they needed someone to help them with the transition. So I came in and did interim CEO and CIO work with three different faith-based organizations. So it gave me a real good feel for the nonprofit environment, and it allowed me to be able to give back to some of these organizations that I had supported financially in the past, but I was able to support them then with some some skills and knowledge that they don't normally have in their organizations. So if you don't want to name them, that's fine, but what kind of things did well, these groups they, do? Well, one of them was an organization called Walk Through the Bible. It's one of the first study Bible organizations that were out there. It was founded by a gentleman named Bruce Wilkinson, and he had one of the most populously read books that was out there called The Story of Jabez. And it was it was a, a non-denominational educational Bible study type thing when that was innovative back in the day. Hmm. And then it had been turned over to a gentleman named Chip Ingram, and Chip Ingram was had another organization they had merged together, and they were just trying to find their way as to how to do a new management situation there. Another was Crown Financial Ministries. It was founded by a gentleman named Larry Burkett. They had actually done a merger with a, another organization, Howard Dayton's organization, that was focused on biblical principles for finances. And mm-hmm. so uh, he was actually suffering from cancer, and they were doing a leadership transition there. But again, these organizations were, were in countries around the world and had had a global footprint. They just had never thought about succession planning. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So I helped out with that succession planning, which is essentially what's happened here. Sure. Except I'm the successor. Right. <laughs> the plan E instead yeah. of the plan E. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So why did numbers appeal to you? Did they seek you out? Did you find them? How, they how did. did that work out? They did. They actually had an extensive uh, search that was going on, and I was reached by a recruiter. I was living in Texas. Uh, my wife and I had moved there. She's in the hospitality industry. And so I'm in a border state. I have this family of immigration heritage. I've had success in the high-tech industry for, you know, Fortune 50 company as an executive there, and I had nonprofit background. And, oh, by the way, I have three children in the area and my first grandson. So Here in the D.C. area? Here in the D.C. Oh, okay. area, yeah. I right. lived here for quite a, quite a long time. I raised mm-hmm. my four boys here primarily in the D.C. area. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So when you were approached, hey, there's this immigration group, kind of what was your first reaction? It piqued my interest enough to send a really brief letter and a dusted off resume to the recruiter. And I, and I basically said what I just said here was, come from a family of immigration. I'm in a border state. I've been in high tech. I've done nonprofit. My family's up in Virginia. If something about that is of interest, let's talk, you know? Right, right. And it was of interest to them. And so they reached out to me and I went through a pretty extensive process. I mean, I really got to compliment the way Numbers USA went about their search process. They not only had a professional leading it, but then they made sure they followed that methodology throughout. And, mm. and they went down. They had two or three really great candidates. They'd have been good with any of them. I am just a fortunate one who was selected. Right. 
How long have you been there now as CEO? Yeah, six months, six okay. months. In fact, I used to almost count off the days. I'd say, oh, I've been here 90 days or I've yeah, been here, right. whatever. So I'm trying to stop that. But six it's months like is- It's like when your kid is born, he's one month old, two months old. <laughs> At my point, I don't know what I am, however many months I am, but we're in the hundreds now. That's right. That's right. And part of the settling in is just that. When that no longer is how you get introduced, right. you know, just CEO, just doing the thing, that's all part of it. But this is an entity that's been in place 27 years. Right. And so it, it has a history. A lot of the staff that are there, what I call the leadership team and, and the, the Numbers USA team and extended team, have been there 15 to 20 years themselves. So there's real deep resource and knowledge there, much like here at CIS. Right. A couple of things I thought were interesting was because you're from the high-tech industry, had you encountered the H-1B issue before as in your professional capacity? Because it is something that energizes. There's a whole sort of segment of the immigration reform movement who focuses on that. And these are people who are obviously online people, they're computer people. So maybe they make more noise or maybe actually they have more heft and more influence than they would otherwise. Did you encounter that in your professional career? I encountered it. I mean, we took advantage of it in that we did hire people on H-1Bs and bring them in as resources to us. I was really not as familiar with the ugly underbelly of what occurs even for the person who is the holder of an H-1B. Right. The way in which they get locked into the position with the company, with the position itself, without the opportunity to actually go do what everybody out in Silicon Valley does, which is if they have a great idea, they go start their own business. Sure. And all that goes away. And so my portion of that was to be bringing on engineers, some of which did have H-1Bs and were qualified for it. But I never thought through the underside of it. You know, it was just part of our process of resource acquiring. I, I remember we had talked in some other capacity and you were saying like every day you would say, this can't be real. No, which as you learn sort of more about like, like in this case, H-1B, but other things you learn more about it. What's maybe the most, I don't know, surprising or ridiculous or absurd thing that you've encountered or a few of them in well, learning about immigration? It, it is a daily thing. You know, when I was in high tech and we were trying to, our, our mission statement then was to change the way people live, work, play, and learn with this internet thing. And That was like way out there in the future. We were really changing society's fabric, as we all know, has occurred now, right? Yeah, thank you very much, by the way, (laughs) because there are downsides as well as upsides. That is always the case. That is always the case. Right, right. But when I was doing that, I never never said, well, I can't believe this. I can't, because like things were possible. Now what I find when I come here, I really can't believe how things work. I mean, just the other day, I was talking to someone who had come back from the, the EarthX event. They were talking about water. This is the big Earth Day thing Earth down Day, in the Dallas. The Earth Day event in Dallas, right. that's right. And they were talking about water issues in that state. And one of the local cities, to be able to reduce the tremendous drain going on in their water resources, has basically closed their Office of Water Department registration so that there is a person, but you have to find them. And then when you find the person... He only has a couple people who can actually give you a meter, and it's all intended to be able to restrict this enormous drain that's occurring, literally with the water, no pun intended. Right, right. You sure. know? And I thought, really? That's, that's how communities are having to respond to this tremendous flux that's occurring in the sprawl of their cities? And, and it's true, you know? You and I both had the opportunity to be on the border recently. What a wonderful tour that was, by the way. But when, when we were down in Yuma, Arizona, 
it was just startling to observe how our border protection agents are standing on one side of the Colorado River, and it's just like Old Faithful in Yellowstone. And, you know, they pull up on the other side from cartels. They drop off immigrants that are trying to come in illegally. They come in illegally to a known place. We have a, you know, a humanitarian set up there that gives them, you know, restroom and water and, you know, shelter from the, from the, from the sun. But then we have a bus waiting for them as well. I mean, it was just shocking to see that that, and that occurs every night. That's occurred every single night in the last two years. And it was occurring last week and will occur this week. I just can't believe that's what's going and on. And not just in that one place either. The and one, not just in that one place. It's 2,000 right. miles of that, right? That's right. What do you guys at Numbers USA see as sort of the top issues? I mean, some of them are obvious, obviously the border, but I mean, how do you conceive of what the top priority issues you guys uh, address? Because just to be clear for listeners, CIS is a think tank. We do research, public information, what have you. Numbers USA is more of citizen action. And so they're ones dealing with what's actually going on in a you know congressional committee this afternoon, that sort of granular stuff that is essential, obviously. So that's correct. Yeah. So we we are a grassroots organization. And so our whole intention is to be able to educate and mobilize voters to contact their elected representatives and tell them what they think about the immigration policies that are before them. Of course, we're educating them and we, we have our own views as to where those things should be. So we're trying to educate that accordingly. That is our purpose in, in place in this whole mix of things that are out there. As far as one of the things that Numbers USA has traditionally done is we've almost always focused on legal immigration issues. Because even in the legal immigration world, there are loopholes and abuses and things that are occurring that that have allowed the numbers of people who immigrate into the United States to really skyrocket over the last some number of years. That's the legal side. But in the last couple of years, we've had this unfortunate like explosion of illegal immigration, which has really been part of the the welcoming in from this administration to the world saying, yes, come across one way or another. And they have changed laws, not enforced laws and abused laws to be able to allow that to occur. So we've unfortunately had to focus most recently on the illegal side, which has really been not something we focused on much at all in years past. Right, right. I mean, well, I mean, you you focused on it to some degree, but it's always because this is what a lot of people don't get is that most immigration, actually before Biden took over, most immigration was legal immigration. That's under right. this under this administration, actually the majority of immigration is in fact illegal. That is an unprecedented development. So it makes sense. You've got to, as a grad school advisor of mine once said, you gotta go hunting where the ducks are. And that's, that's the issue. So <laughs> so what's true. what are like, I don't know, I mean whatever, top three things or well, whatever it is. That the, the, what's really before the House right now, and it's just come out of the Judiciary Committee, which is part of the process to make it to the House floor for mm-hmm. an actual vote is a set of bills. There are eight different bills that all are intended to be able to tighten up the border issues. So it has everything to do from changes from asylum requests and how refugee processing is done to the ability to detain or not detain families, the ability to address illegal workers who don't have valid work permits. All that's bundled into a bill on the Hill right now that literally like just last night at 2.45 in the morning got passed with very very minor changes. So we focused on that. My belief is, is that it's going to get through the House, even with the very narrow margin that one of the parties has in the House today. I think it's going to get through the House. I don't know what awaits it when it gets to the Senate. 
So I don't think anyone's optimistic about the Senate at this point because you need 60 votes there and it's unlikely it's going to get through there. But what will occur with this is we will have forced people to actually make a decision and vote. It's easy to say I'm not going to support something when you're an elected official. It's hard to not vote for it right? because then you're on record, you know, and your constituents actually know. And one of the things that we do as a service to the nation really is we provide what we call grade cards for all the elected officials. So every issue that comes before the Congress that has to do with immigration, there is a score associated with that. And you can get from an A to an F. That's just like you were back in school. And we count those grades and keep track of them for everyone. And this goes back to previous Congresses as well. So you can see someone's entire career on immigration, which, by the way, we can see are influenced by the way those people change their votes over time. Sometimes they start off very much open border oriented, and then they gradually move towards something in the middle. Uh, Some of them start off very much in the middle and become very strong and recognize the need to be able to restrict immigration to a legal level that is acceptable for the nation. So it's a mix of things, but that grade card function is one of the things that we really offer. And where where would people find, if they want to sort of find out about their own lawmaker, for instance, where are these grade cards? Yep. Well, we have a website that's uh, numbersusa.com. And in fact, I just saw today, one of the things we're doing at Numbers USA is refreshing our website. And you know, we've had something that's been more of a news feed for people over the last 10 or 15 years. And we're just shifting a little bit more for easy access to tools and resources, such as the grade cards. And they're kind of right up there at the top. There's a right, link, right? Right up there in the top is also a search bar that you can just type in grade cards and it'll pull you right to it. But once you get there, it's an easy to navigate map. It's a map of the United States. You click on the state that you want to look at, which hopefully is the one you're in. It takes you to who your representatives are. You type in your zip code. It actually tells you who your representatives are. And then part of what we do is we actually give you the ability then to communicate to that representative. So you can you can actually take action and send letters. You can call that representative. We, we give you the tools right there to be able to access who represents you in Congress. And just for the purposes of just sort of information or research, you don't necessarily have to do any of that. You can just look up the information. Oh, yeah. and, and what I've found is too, and this is something, this isn't that big a deal, but you need to look at it carefully because it will have like the grade for this Congress as opposed to the grade for career. And, you know, there's, and then it breaks it down into all different issues. You could really go down the rabbit hole on this. It's an you enormous, can. an enormous investment of time that you all have made to not only develop the grade cards, because we're talking 535. Actually, since former congressmen are in there, we're talking, I don't know, probably at this point, 800 people, maybe mm-hmm. 900 people are in there. Right. And, you know, every vote that ever had to do with immigration, it's really, uh, it's remarkable that that's there and it works and you keep updating it. Yeah, we tracked something over 530 some bills last year alone. Right. So that gives you a sense as to what is there. One of the things that we are very much focused on, you asked, what is the hot topic? So I mentioned the illegal side of immigration, and this kind of plays into it, but it's been something that we've been focused on for a long time, and that is the implementation of a mandatory E-Verify system at the federal level, and if the federal level won't do it, at the state level. And so we have been advocating for E-Verify to be implemented. It's actually implemented in 18 states right now. And you'll have a map, too. We do have a map. uh, If you go into that same site and type E-Verify, it'll bring you to a map. It'll tell you exactly what you can uh, see the different states. And you can see how they've implemented it. Like some have implemented only the state agencies and state contractors. 
Some right. have across all employers, and some have some other type of derivative of those different options. And I found that actually a very useful map. And in fact, I remember I tweeted that out a while back, I don't know, several weeks ago, and an academic on the other side, who's, I mean, he's on the other side, but he's not a jerk. So I mean, right. we interact sometimes. He was like, well, that's actually a seriously well done map. I mean, he's a geographer too. So he actually, so that was actually high praise from someone who does that sort wonderful, of thing. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm not surprised at, but so pleased to see is the the organization of Numbers USA, the personnel that make it up are really expert at what they do. I mean, they they have knowledge. If if there is a topic of interest and you can't find it for some reason on our website, you can send us a message and I'm certain that we'll be able to provide you a response in some way that gives you the information you're looking for. I'm, I'm constantly surprised at people being able to pull things out and show it to me because as the new CEO, I come in. And I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? I'm asking all the questions. And then, of course, being outside of the immigration movement, I also ask a lot of questions. And there hasn't been a question I've asked that people have looked at me and said, we don't know. It's always been, here's the answer immediately or very, very, very quick follow-on. It's always been, as far as I understand it, looking at it from the outside, that sort of the animating spirit over at Numbers USA has been Barbara Jordan Commission from back in the 90s, which a lot of people don't remember anymore. Nonetheless, the report, this was a bipartisan commission on immigration reform led by Barbara Jordan. And the way that that report through her framed the issue, I thought was very useful. And really, it's my sense has always been, it's been sort of an animating spirit over at Numbers. Well, it very much is. And in fact, even in this new website design, Front and center, somewhere in the middle of the of the page uh, that you land on, is a quote from her, and it basically indicates that you know every nation has a responsibility to be able to control the immigration that it has into its own nation, and that you have to set up ways in which that's done. And that she had a whole long list, not her, but the whole commission had a long list of recommendations. Even the E-Verify system was one that came out of that recommendation, and the recommendation was to have an electronic system that would be able to centrally track all this so that people could easily validate whether someone had a work permit. That system exists today. And in fact, it got put in place in a bipartisan way because it got put in place by a, a Democratic administration. It was implemented further by a Republican administration. President Obama most recently ended up having it become mandatory for federal contractors and federal agencies. And so you know, it's something that people are using. What we're trying to have now occur is to have the whole nation use it. So it reached the benefit of one of those recommendations that came out of Barbara Jordan. And, right. you know, and Barbara Jordan, again, people don't know her, but she was a civil rights icon of her day. I mean, and she- She was the first black woman elected to the Congress from the South. That's correct. That's correct. And out of Texas. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, kind of a interesting point that since that is such a flashpoint state today, but she, she's very qualified to be able to have led that. And when she spoke, people listened. And I think that the recommendations were all very solid. We have that available to anybody who wants to find it on the website as well. It's a summary of it. It's an excellent read. And it really gives you some insight as to what a, I'll call it a better immigration system or a credible immigration system really would look like. Credible one in particular, because there's a famous quote of hers that was it credibility in immigration is people who should get in, do get in. People who should not get in, don't get in. And the people who aren't supposed to be here are sent back. I mean, that's, it's sort of, that's it's right, almost yeah. like, okay, well, yeah, obviously. I'm, I'm, but regrettably, that's actually kind of a revolutionary statement. 
To today it sounds revolutionary, but it's really common sense. And it really is one that is unavoidable. I mean, immigration by its very nature is a trade-off. You have to trade off this for that. And the this and that is something that each nation should do. And we, we would like to see that civil debate occur and have whichever administration is in place, whichever color party they are, every time they're there, follow the laws of the nation. Right. Well, good luck with that, at least for the next couple of years. Yes, but, yes, uh, yeah. Roy Beck, before he, well, I don't know, he didn't, ret- okay, he didn't retire, but he retired as CEO. <laughs> That's right. Step uh, down wrote as CEO. a book called Back of the Hiring Line, basically tracing the history of black Americans and their experience with immigration. I understand you guys are going to be doing more with that. What do you have planned? Well, yes. Uh, let me take a half step back. So the uh, back of the hiring line, it's, it is a, a historical study of 200 years of immigration. And it was- On Amazon for anybody who On Amazon, that's right. <laughs> it, was, it was eye-opening for me to be able to read that. And it does deal with the depression of black wealth that has been a consequence, unfortunately, through waves of immigration behaviors by the nation, both policies and behaviors that have occurred. So there's a focus on what that impact has been on the black community throughout our nation. And we're really talking about primarily descendants of slavery. I mean, these were people who were here, were slaves, were freed, went north for jobs, were employed, became gainful people inside the economy of the nation as free people, freedmen, and then Immigration occurred where we started bringing in people from other nations around the nation, and these people were replaced again by the immigrants coming in, which is exactly what's happening today still in yet another wave of both legal and illegal immigration. So it's a study of that. What we have done is we thought that it's a story that isn't understood and information that needs to be shared, and the voice needs to have credibility, again, that word. So we believe that the most credible people to speak about this is the black community itself. So we've implemented a program most recently called the Historic Black Colleges and University Engagement. It's the HBCU engagement program is part of our hiring line initiative. Mm-hmm. The hiring line initiative is to focus on the impact of immigration on all the people who are being impacted disproportionately than others. But still today, the black community is one of those cohorts that is disproportionately impacted. So we've, we've implemented a program where we're going to be going out with information to the historic black colleges and universities, which is the seed for the future leaders of the nation that come from the black community, and be able to give them this information. We're looking for them to use it as extracurricular material in their areas. We want them to be able to implement it in some of their coursework, and we want to be able to engage both the faculty the administration, and the students themselves on this. And, and we're finding it to be very receptive. We just, we just hired someone in regards to that, a gentleman named Andre Barnes. Fantastic background to fit for this particular piece. I think he'll be very effective for us. And we're putting a, a team of people around this initiative. Interesting. Good, good. What else is coming up at Numbers? Like what's next for Numbers USA? Yeah. Well, Numbers USA will continue to do what it has been doing, which is to focus on Capitol Hill here in the U.S. Capitol and the legislation that's going on through there. That's a slow process. We think that we'll see great traction here in the House, this particular Congress, the 118th Congress. And we'll continue to defend against those things which come up typically in the lame duck Congress that are all sorts of attempts to be able to undermine what is common sense, reasonable, credible immigration. So we we did that last Congress. We've done it many, many times before. So we'll continue to do that. What we are going to begin to do is to focus a little bit more on the states, 
I'm calling it a taking it to the states type initiative. We did so in West Virginia. We have done so in Texas. We're doing so in in Florida. So this is for the state legislatures. These are for the state legislatures to Mm -hmm. do what they can do, utilizing the laws available to them to be able to make their state less desirable for illegal immigrants. And this really centers around both the E-Verify as well as sanctuary cities and things along those lines. But we're really focused on the E-Verify ourselves. Interesting, interesting. My last question basically is for listeners, do they have to pay to sign up? Is a, How does one become a member of Numbers USA? Is there a fee or how does that work? Yeah. Well, we, we always welcome donations, of course. We're a nonprofit, but there's no fee to be a member of Numbers USA. You, you do have to sign into our, our website. Again, it's numbersusa.com. When you're there, you can join us. There's several join us buttons. And when you join us, all you do is give us your street address or zip code, and and then you create an account, a password, like you would with any other account. Right. From there, you're able to then take actions that we provide to you. You're able to put your signature on petitions, and we start providing you a variety of emails that give you information on the topics that you've selected you're interested in. So a membership is free, but we really look for people who want to be active. We really mm-hmm. look for people who want to learn. And by the way, we we are open for people who have opinions opposing us. We We want to have debate. We want to have education on this. So it's a matter of, you know, come in, see what we have to offer, learn about immigration as I've been learning, frankly, and then take some action. So numbers got started by faxing from the website. That was literally the first place. I mean, you guys, that was a, a sort of a superpower. Things, technology has changed stuff. Do you guys still send faxes or is it more emails and you, uh, you know, you ask people to make calls, that kind of thing? There are no faxes in the Congress anymore. So oh, really? we actually okay. shut down the switchboard one year right, with right. so many faxes. So, uh, but there are no Congress faxes today. So it is, it is email. It is hard copy letters. It is the ability to send petition signatures. And we also are going to be implementing the ability to tweet as oh. well as possibly text others, not necessarily your representative, on your opinion. So we're going to continue to stay forward with the technology. What you'll be looking to see at the end of this calendar year is what we're calling our action app, which will be a phone app like you have for a gazillion oh, okay. other things. And it'll be something we can push messages out to you on. You'll know when action is occurring in Congress. You'll be able to take action immediately from your phone in a variety of different ways, including the ways you've done in the past. But, but no more faxes. Yeah, it's, it's good to know. I mean, techn- <laughs> world the world changes. You know, That's right. it's, it's been a long time, 20 plus. How, how, when was the numbers found? 27 years. 27 years, yeah. yeah. So so technology changes. Just uh, one last question on this is, if people sign up or even if they get the app or what have you, they're not going to be getting any ads for gold or catheters or insurance <laughs> or anything like that? No, no, no. We we uh, we make sure that this is just a very clean relationship, that you engage us, we engage you, and it's it's a fair exchange of information. Right. Good. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, James Massa, the, I, I guess, sort of new-ish CEO of Numbers USA. And thanks for coming in. And again, the website is numbersusa.com, no hyphens or any of that stuff. And you can uh, find out more about the organization there. Thanks for coming in, James. Thank you very uh, much. We'll keep being in touch. Very good. Thank you. And finally this week, instead of my usual uh, rant, I just wanted to draw your attention to a number of publications we've posted on our website, cis.org, about the run-up to the end of Title 42, which is going to happen next week on May 11th. But things are already happening. Todd Benzman has prepared a video about the Venezuelans, especially, 
large numbers of whom are already gathering and pooling on the Mexican side of the border, some of them crossing already in anticipation of the end of Title 42. So they're not even waiting for the rules to change, and they're being let go. Andrew Arthur, George Fishman, Elizabeth Jacobs have all written pieces about what's happening, what the Biden administration is saying that it's going to do about it, which is not likely to be very effective. But if you want to understand what's happening, what's going to happen, what are the conditions that surround this change in immigration policy, this end of the Title 42 expulsions, which was the only Trump-era policy that the Biden administration kept in place, thinking that it would help the administration get to like a soft landing in changing Trump's policies rather than undoing them all at once. But in fact, they undid all of them all at once, except this one thing. They have progressively applied Title 42 expulsions to fewer and fewer immigrants who are crossing the border. And now it's going to go away altogether in about a week. And the administration really doesn't know what to do about it. So if you want to know more than, frankly, the administration does, go to our website, cis.org. We have uh, videos on this. They're short and blog posts that tell you everything you need to know for the run-up to this pretty significant event that's going to lead to an even greater disaster at the border on top of the disaster we've been facing for well over two years now. This is Mark Krikorian signing off. I hope you tune in next week and following weeks when we will have a better idea of what the repeal of Title 42 actually will translate to at the border.